Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm talking about Paul's diatribe, but it's not what you think. Let's start with a quote from commenter Albert Barnes, who said in his book, The Early Training of the Apostle Paul, quote, It is in great measure by raising up and endowing great minds that God secures the advance of human affairs and the accomplishment of his own plans on earth. All minds have their origin in God, and great minds seem to be created by him as he creates great oceans, great mountains, great worlds, as proofs of his own greatness. By bringing on the stage from time to time, some mind qualified by high endowment to give impulse to human affairs, to lift up the race to a higher level, and to perform in a single generation what might otherwise have been the slow work of centuries or what might not have been done at all, unquote. Now, Barnes, of course, is speaking of the mind of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Got Questions has a list of them and the possible time frames in which Paul wrote them. And they are Galatians, A.D. 47, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, A.D. 49 to 51, 1 and 2 Corinthians and Romans, A.D. 52 to 56, Ephesians, Philemon, Colossians, and Philippians, A.D. 60 to 62, during Paul's first Roman imprisonment, 1 Timothy and Titus, A.D. 62, and 2 Timothy, around A.D. 63, 64, during Paul's second Roman imprisonment. Now, Paul was learned. He knew the different schools of philosophy, how to construct a speech, and all the different rhetorical styles. One of those styles was the diatribe. And this essay explores how Paul used diatribe in his letters, particularly 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 36, and a shining example of the diatribe, Romans 2. Now, I thought this fact was interesting that I found from Zondervan Academic. Quote, the average private letter in the Greco-Roman world was 90 words long. The average literary letter was 200 words long. Typically, a letter would fit on one papyrus sheet, or roughly the size of a piece of paper in a modern notebook. By comparison, Paul's letters average around 1,300 words. Even his shortest letter to Philemon is 335 words long, and his longest letter to the Romans, 7,114 words long. Unquote. That was, again, from Zondervan Academic. Well, 7,100 words is about 14 pages single-spaced. That's a long letter. The Romans who received it would have been amazed, given that we just learned the average literary letter was only about 1,300 words. But it's amazing 
that the Holy Spirit had so much to say and inspired Paul to restrain himself, yet present so much doctrine in such a short space. If you think about it, philosophical books try to explain their foundational precepts in book-long treatises, but not the Spirit. Paul succinctly presented an entire godly doctrine of righteousness in just 7,100 words. Part of the reason his letter to the Romans is so clear is his use of diatribe. Now, diatribe we usually think of as a passionate, negative venting or an angry tongue lashing. And it may be thought of that today. But in Paul's time, it meant something different. A diatribe, quote, is a form of ancient rhetoric in which the author or speaker debates a hypothetical interlocutor or opponent as a form of argumentation, unquote. And that was from the Lexham Glossary of Theology. The diatribe's main style or main characteristics include dialogue with an imaginary questioner. That's the interlocutor. And it also includes question and answer repetitions or questions with objections as a transition to the next topic. Now, if that sounds familiar, all that questioning, um, a diatribe was actually an extension of the well-known Socratic method. Now, in that method that Socrates made famous, the teacher asked continual questions until a fallacy was exposed or the student was led to the correct point. And Paul's probing questions in his letters developed the same critical thinking skills that the Socratic method did and enabled them to approach the subject logically. Christianity, above all, is a thinking religion. Now, the Lexham Bible Dictionary outlines a few types of address that are common within a diatribe. For example, Romans chapter 2 is a particular example of this characteristic. Paul uses that loose term, oh man, as the imaginary opponent in the verses 1 to 5. The reader will also see use of the second person, like you or yourself, like in Romans 2, 4, or 17 to 25. So you think, who is the you Paul is speaking of? It's not a direct person or specific person. It's a generality. And it usually means the author is using that style of diatribe. You see this a lot in Paul's letters, what's known as the emphatic rejection Paul frequently uses that expression, may it never be, to reject a question raised by the interlocutor or the imaginary opponent. In Paul's letters, when you see that expression, it almost always means he's using the diatribe. Also common, you'll see in Paul's writing, is um, a bunch of hypothetical questions like, what then shall we say? like in Romans 4.1, or the shorter, what then, 
Romans 3.1, and also 1 Corinthians 3.5 and Galatians 3.19. This is from D.L. Woodall, uh, definition of diatribe in the Lexham Bible Dictionary. Quote, Paul's letters and a letter of James include key features of the diatribe form. Tracing these features can help the interpreter follow the flow of a text argument. Furthermore, analyzing a diatribe can shed light on questions that a letter's original recipients might have asked, thereby indicating something about the passage's content. So an orator skilled in rhetoric used methods like diatribe to construct uh, their speeches. They were also used in written matter like letters, because letters were read aloud to others or to a whole church or read aloud to those who couldn't read. Whether speaking or writing, Paul was a fantastic communicator. He was gifted enough to use quotes from other writers and philosophers to bring the message of the gospel. His letters had various tones and ranged from simple to complicated sentences. He could communicate to the socially lowly, like jailers or fishermen, or to youths, or to kings. And Paul's writing ranged from classical logic with diatribe, to the nurturing and joyous, to angry and sarcastic. Above all, in addition to being spiritually brilliant, thanks to the spirit, Paul was also emotionally real. For all that brilliance and training, Paul bowed his knee, not only in spirit and in body to Jesus, he bowed his amazing intellect too. I mean, he knew full well he was brilliant and talented. He listed his credentials in Philippians 3, for example. But he found his reason for living, and it was not to display rhetorical tricks for their own sake, nor to communicate deftly to win philosophical arguments, nor to split fine points of the Pharisaic law, which was his original trajectory, but to promote the gospel to the lost sheep of the world for salvation to the glory of Jesus. God created Paul's mind and providentially orchestrated all of Paul's life in training and schooling and education until the moment when it would be used for God's glory. And we are still benefiting from the mind of Paul, indeed benefiting from the mind of God who created Paul to this very day. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada, and thank you for listening. I appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.